Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and the light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what the word says I have. I am what the word says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We are talking about discovering our gift. We'll probably conclude the message today. I'm just going to give you a brief overview of these last three gifts. And of course, next week we're getting into Thanksgiving. We want to talk about what it means to really praise the Lord and thank the Lord for His goodness and mercy. But uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 8 will be our opening text. And there are different gifts here. There's one verse. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So gift number five is giving. Giving. And remember, these are motivational gifts, promptings of the Spirit, an impartation of the Spirit that deal with us as far as our personality is concerned and become motivating influences in our lives. And so if you're that kind of a person who is a giving person, it goes even beyond the fact that you like to give. There can be, there can be and, and for the most part, will be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that's emphasizing that as a part of God's gift to you. That you to use for what purpose? To honor Him and glorify Him and also to bless people with. So, as far as definition is concerned, here we have the definition of a, a, a giver. He is a contributor. He gives. He's motivated to give of all his resources uh, to bless others. And of course, advance the kingdom of God. But it's talking about your abilities. It's talking about your talents. It's talking about your means, even uh, your financial resources to give, to be a blessing uh, to other people and advance God's kingdom. So, obviously, Every single one of us should like to give because the scripture teaches us it's better to give than what? Than to receive. So when it comes to our time, talents, it comes our energies and efforts and abilities and resources, every one of us should be a giver in a general sense. But there are some that have a stronger, let's say, prompting of the spirit to give. I know when I first got saved, I just loved to give. Just love to give, just to pour myself out, just to be a blessing to other people, to give in any way I possibly could. And it may start with your financial resources, your time, your talents. I didn't realize I could use my talents and abilities as far as a musician was concerned to advance the kingdom of God because I didn't come from that kind of a background. But then when I found out I could, then I used them for the honor and glory of God. Now listen, everybody in this church building has a gift. We're all gifted in one way or another. But you realize that we're responsible to use that gift either for God or not to use it for God? For example, even a singing gift. You can use your singing gift to glorify God. You can use it for your own personal, let's say, fame and fortune and, and success and all that. 
And so it's important to realize the giver of the gift is God Almighty. What we do with the gift is up to us. So whether we use it for his honor and glory or not is up to us. It's based on the decision that we make. You can use your intelligence for all kinds of things. But how many of you know that if you didn't have God, you wouldn't have your intelligence? You wouldn't have your abilities. You wouldn't have your mental faculties. Remember when the king was out living in the, in the woods like a dog, like an animal? Because he said, oh, I did this all by myself. Oh, really? Once God just removed his hand of protection from him, he was living like an animal out in the wilderness for all those years. And then he realized when he came to his senses that, wait a minute, all that I have has come from God. Jesus made this declaration. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So all that we have belongs to God. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Look at that verse, what it says. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. So here we have some of the guidelines with regard to our giving. So you could say the emphasis here is on giving financially, giving responsibly as far as all that you have that he's blessed you with. If you see someone that's maybe hungry, that you feed them, etc. But it's being hospitable and it's also concerning, uh, you're being concerned about the needs of others and you want to invest in their lives. And I'm telling you, when, when a person shows himself to be a giver, God will bless you and give you more ability to give other people because if he can get it to you he knows he can get it through you so if he'll get it through you he'll definitely get it to you amen now look at uh, Acts chapter 9 here we have a woman by the name of Dorcas and Dorcas is an example of someone who is really a giver now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha which by interpretation is called Dorcas this woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did came to pass in those days that she was sick and died whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. Now just think about what this woman did to be a blessing to all those people that were there. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Can you imagine just what that one incident did to evangelize the communities round about? Can you imagine all these people that love this woman so much and probably talked about it even at her, the, the process of being in the house like a funeral where they're all coming together and talk about her at her house and oh she made me this and she made me that and here I am a widow. I didn't have anything but she gave it to me. She invested in me. What a wonderful person. What a wonderful individual. Here we see her being raised up from the dead and people talking about it. And now all these people giving their hearts to Jesus as a result of this woman's testimony. Wonderful thing. Powerful thing. But look, also in Acts chapter 10, we have another person by the name of Cornelius, who also is one who defines that what, what it means to give. There was a certain man at Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So here we have another individual and look at his characteristics. This man, he fears God. 
He has reverence for God with all his house. And also he gives alms to the poor, to those that were in need, and always was in this atmosphere of prayer. Now, what's beautiful about this man's life, he's not even saved and he's doing this. Think about that. Peter comes and then leads him to the Lord, right? You remember that you read that whole chapter, you find out that he was led to the Lord. But he was doing this beforehand. So in other words, he realized that even though he wasn't born again Christian, he realized that there was a God to serve. And even though he wasn't a Jew and of the Jewish faith, that God did exist. And he demonstrated that with his heart of giving. And he gave to all the people as much as he possibly could. And then also look at Luke's gospel chapter 6. Because when it comes to giving, it's not just finances, but it's giving of ourselves. To be honest with you, this epitomizes what God is all about. God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son. And the Bible says if he gave us Jesus, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Our God's a son and shield who gives grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. This is a tremendous characteristic of our God. And aren't you glad that he gave of himself, that he gave of his son? That he gave to us all that we need so that we could live eternally. Not just on this earth, thank God for all the, every blessing we have on earth. But thank God we'll live with him forever as a result. Notice the very first word. Give. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as you would, <laughs> that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Stink bugs are in rare form. I'm going to give a piece of my hand, I guess. <laughs> do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank of you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. And if you lend to those or to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. We got up this morning, first thing we thought, love my enemy. And do good in land, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. In other words, you want to emulate the very life of God himself. Be a giver, and you give even to your enemies, no matter what. Just give of yourself completely. For he is kind unto the unthankful. Think about that. And to the evil. Whoa. Be therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give. See, it's not just money, is it? What is it? Give mercy. Forgiveness. Be kind, tender-hearted. Provide for those that are in need, no matter if they're evil or not. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men pour forth into your bosom. You believe in the law of sowing and reaping? What we sow is what we reap. And if we'll be a giver and we sow into people's lives, we're going to get it back in our lives. So if you want to receive anything from the Lord, be a giver. Sow good seed into people's lives. Even people that are evil. If you're going to be like your father in Matthew, Jesus said this way. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that spite you and abuse you. Speak well of those that speak evil of you. That you may be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect. That's called maturity. You're being spiritually mature. If you're just giving to people that you like, that like you, that's one thing. Even evil people do that, he said. But if you can give to your enemy, that is being mature. Think about it. Give your time, your talents, your, your abilities. Give your love, your devotion. Give forgiveness and mercy and so on. 
Okay, Sister Lena Nola. I wrote that in there for a reason. When I first came to the church 37 years ago, you know, we were invited to go over Sister Lena Nola's house. Small house, very small kitchen. But man, the first time I was there, I gained 10 pounds. <laughs> Sat down at the dinner table, and she's just, just tight quarters, you know. And she goes into the kitchen, and she brings out a little bit of food. And I just sit there. Then more food. Then more food. And more food. And before you knew it, the table was full of food. And then the dessert started coming out. That she made with her own hands. That she made herself. Etc. Etc. And my goodness. We just sat, I just sat there looking. At, what a spread. Anyone that knew anything about Sister Lena Nola. And remember. That, weren't they a part of the Dorcas ministry? It was called Dorcas. We just. Dorcas. Uh, group at, at the uh, church level. And, and just amazing. These people practice what Dorcas did. Loving people. And hospitable. Inviting them to their home. I'll tell you what if you ever walked into that house like I said like even sometimes after a church service was over in the evening it was small well, church was small at that time and she wasn't even prepared she goes why don't you stop over just for a moment I'll give you a little something to eat I, I'm telling you she had to have the ability to pray food into existence <laughs> this little refrigerator you walk in this just come out walk in that would come out before you know it the whole table is full of she go, and I said you didn't have much no I just had a little bit in the refrigerator where did it all come from but she was so hospitable. You know, sometimes I, I just get that we're losing that. We're so concerned about ourselves and what's going on in our lives. And there's so much that's going on that we forget about hospitality and really giving to other people. We want to be, we want to have friends. You got to be friendly. I want people to invite me. Why don't you invite them? You see what I mean? That's how it is. And that person that's the giver, they're going to continue to give like that. And they're going to be blessed because of their giving. Because God is a giving God. But if you have this gift, I guarantee you, you're going to be motivated. Look at some of the characteristics of the giver. You're convinced that all that you have belongs to God. My resources, my financial resources, my everything. My life belongs to God. Everything. I don't even belong to myself anymore. We belong to God, every one of us. So to give our time, talents, and abilities is really doing something responsible. Giving it back to God. Secondly, strong desire to bless others. You have a strong desire within you to bless others. This is part of that gift. Do you desire to bless others and be a blessing to other people? And if not, once again, in a general sense, we all should. But someone that has this particular motivational gift is going to have even a greater, greater anointing and a greater uh, motivation to do it. You really want to be a blessing to other people. How can I bless somebody? You're looking for someone, trying to find someone to bless today. Amen. And then also, thirdly, you're gifted to make money. Because you see, to finance the kingdom of God, it requires money. How many of you know that? And so there are a lot of people that are gifted to make money. It seems like everything that they touch just seems to work, you know, and they gain from it. And that's wonderful. But remember, you can use your financial resources for yourself and yourself alone, or you can use it to advance the kingdom of God and be a blessing to other people. And so if God blesses you with this ability to make money, guess what? You give it away, you'll get it a whole lot more back. You give it away, you'll get more back. Give and it shall be what? Given to you. So whether it's your time, your effort, your energy, your resources or whatever, be that kind of a person and God will bless you back. But also that may emerge that that's your motivational gift. But notice the dangers when it comes to the dangers of this gift. Notice this. You can be easily, and that word should be easily, taken care of. Ease, easily. 
It's be, I mean, t- taken advantage of. It can easily be taken advantage of. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter uh, three and verse ten. Before we look at that, when I lived in Midland, when the church was downtown Midland, this fellow came over to the house to the parsonage at that time, knocked on the door, and I opened the door and said, "Yes, sir. How can I help you?" Well, my grandmother died in Akron, Ohio, and I have a need to get, to get there. I don't have any money for gas to get in my car to drive over there. And I love my grandmother so much. And I said, oh, okay, I understand. And so can you help me out in any way? And so I helped him. Well, two months later, his grandmother died again. <laughs> and I thought, well, wait a minute. Maybe he has two grandmothers, obviously. Maybe you know, one on his one side. Maybe she lives in Akron, Ohio, too. After the second time, I'm getting a little bit leery. And I'm thinking, uh, okay, uh, all right, I'll help you one more time. The third time he came to the house about three or four months later, he said, my grandmother in Akron, Ohio died again, or died. And I said to him, how many grandmothers do you have in Akron, Ohio? Why did I give you that line before? I said, yeah, this is the third time. This makes the third time your grandmother in Akron, Ohio died. Hmm. Oh, sorry about that. So he came back another couple months later with a baby in his arms on a cold winter night with only a t-shirt and a diaper on and knocked on the door with his wife and said, my baby is really cold and we need some clothes to buy for the baby. I'm thinking, oh my, to what level people would go to do something like that. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I said, let's jump in a car right now. I'll take you over to Walmart or somewhere. We'll buy clothes. But I'm not giving you any money. Because I know where the money's going. It's not going to buy that baby anything. You're using that because your grandmothers have already died. and don't have any more grandmothers. I mean, it's sad. You know what I mean? Because you can be taken advantage of. You have a giving heart, a giving attitude. Even in the church setting and all, and all that. And you never want to shut up your bowels of compassion. So there's both sides of this. You can be a giver and give and you should give, but also be wise. There was another one, did the same, basically the same thing. And we helped this individual a, a couple of times. And, you know, you're always concerned when someone comes and a- just asks you, I really, really have need. And so uh, one day we get a call. We helped them two or three times now. Kind of caught on to the whole story. Drove down to East Liverpool, Ohio. Went to where he was staying in a room and started talking to the individual and I was prepared. And when we said, well, like, we'd like to know well, what's going on with your life. He just got done from playing, a, I think, a basketball game or something like that with his friends or whatever. You know, and, and he's sitting in his little, little room there. And I said to him, you know, what's going on with your, with your life? He's explaining certain things. And I have this need and this need and this need and whatever. Oh. He says, uh, and I said, well, you know what? I think Chuck and I both said that we really at this time are not really sure that we're going to go in that direction to help. He goes, you have to, you're a Christian. Hmm. Okay. We do? Yeah, I know your principles. I know what the Bible says. And you have to because you're a Christian. Oh. So I opened up the Bible and read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. And what does it say? For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. He looked up and said, you got me. (laughs) 
you got me. <laughs> oh my goodness. You can be taken advantage of. Right. And so you've got to be discerning. You have to know and understand. You can be taken advantage of. So uh, watch out. Also, people can look to you instead of God. Look at Philippians 4.19. Even though you're a giver, you also need to realize that there's a point in time when you've got to let people know you need to start believing God. You can't look to people always as your resource. Because God doesn't want that. Now you're violating the principles of God. But my God shall supply all your need according unto his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so be aware. You don't want to be taken advantage of. But number two, also realize you don't want to point people to yourself. You want to point people to God because you want to help them grow spiritually and in their faith. And not just help them financially. Because for the most part, they probably could work, but they don't want to work. And there are many different reasons behind all that. Or take advantage of, you know, your love and your Christian commitment. And so the giver, there's so much more to be said about being this giver. But uh, look at the last point. You can be tempted to control people. This is on the other side of it. And sometimes we see this going on, whether it's in organizations. You know, when you think about different like stores and all that, and you see it used to say so-and-so brothers. And all of a sudden, you see a split in the family, and it's no longer brothers, and they each have their own individual stores. You can see this happen even in a church, where someone feels as though that since I put more money in, that I should be able to call the shots and all that. You can be tempted by the enemy to have that kind of an attitude. We need to realize that once I give to somebody, it's in the hands of the Lord, and that's all there is to it, right? And that doesn't mean I have a right to rule anybody else. It's because I was a giver, or I gave to a certain thing. So there's a temptation there. Okay, the next gift, gift number six, is the gift of administration. Notice your definition, it's a facilitator, one who is able to accomplish tasks and, uh, through analysis and also delegation. I actually looked it up in the dictionary and I saw Brother Chuck Sorelli's picture in Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> That's what I saw when I opened it up, and there it was. And so really this is a ruling, or this is uh, organizing. This is a gift where God enables someone to have these particular abilities, okay? You can use it, once again, in a, in a secular setting, or you can also use it to glorify God. And sometimes I think people fail to realize this. This gift that you have, this ability that you have, yes, it will help you in your life to make a living, etc. But don't forget, you're also to invest in the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God. And God will use you and would want to use you with these gifts and abilities to advance his kingdom and be a blessing to other people. When I first came here all these years ago and um, Brother Chuck lost his job, he's ready to go move somewhere else. Um, it was the spirit of God that just moved. And even before all this took place, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, listen, he will be a tremendous asset to this church. Would you agree with me? He's been a tremendous asset to this church. Tremendous asset to this church. Go ahead. Amen. And that includes him and his family. You know, everybody. And, and why? Because you see, the abilities that God placed within him were to be, they were used on his job where he worked, but he brought him here. He brought him here. And God has used him in a, just a wonderful and powerful way here uh, in, in, as far as administrating. And this is long before churches really had administrators. What you had going basically, you had people that wanted the pastoral position. Take it over. And pastors didn't really need associates. They needed administrators to help conduct the business of the church so that you can stay in tune with God 
and promote the spiritual aspects of the church. Okay. So now notice the characteristics. He's able to delegate and organize. He's able to delegate and organize, isn't he? Amen. Uh, also, number two, he is diligent and finds effective ways to uh, get things done. Now, the only regret I think he has was back in 1980, what, two, what, when did you come on? Eight, staff. 83, there wasn't Marks. <laughs> Marks didn't exist at that time. Was Gabe's around at that time? I'm not sure. Okay, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, just, it's just an inside joke. If he can't find it at Mark's, <laughs> whatever you want. How many of you know Mark's? This little store, Mark's, that you get things cheap and, and all that. Trust me, he'll find it. If it's not at Mark's, he'll go online, he'll find it somewhere else, but he will find it. So not only is he able to organize and delegate, he's also frugal. I'm telling you, frugal. Trust me. <laughs> You don't think you got your best bargain. Not because it's at this Ford dealership or the Chevy dealership. If you haven't tried there. If you haven't tried Brother Chuck Sorelli. Then you haven't got your best bargain. That's all there is to it. <laughs> but also he has the ability to discern. The strengths and weaknesses of others. The ability of other people. You know he has the ability to look and see. Okay you can do this and you can do that. And I need to call this person to do this or do that. Because he knows that they're going to do a good job, an effective job. Okay, so see the some of these strengths or the characteristics of, pers- of a person who is an administrator. But then also there are some dangers as well. You can come across as being pushy or like overbearing. Um, once again, if it's not tempered in love and you don't allow the Spirit of God to, to do that in your life. You know, and someone can take it wrong and, and receive it the wrong way. Secondly, also you may suffer persecution in that position. And look in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse uh, 14 there. Bless them which persecute you. It's in that same context in which this is said. That this person. Motivational gifts. You're going to get persecuted probably. But bless them with curse you. They curse you. Bless and curse not. And people are going to say all kinds of crazy things. Because th- people have different agendas. How many of you know that? And they see things different ways. But uh, thank God that uh, when God put this team together, when he put us together, and I guarantee you it was God who put us together, God is the one that really is to to receive all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for what he's done in in our little church that was down there in Midland when I first came 37 years ago with, what, 35 people at that particular time, and God began to move, and, and God began to do certain things, and raising up different people to do different things. We're here where we are today, not because we're special, but because he's special. And we were willing to yield to God. And you know what? There has never been a vying of anyone's position here within this assembly of believers. He, he wasn't trying to be the pastor of the church. I wasn't trying to, to take the administrative uh, position over and, and run the finances of the church and all that. I am so glad. Look, you could all look at me here right now. I don't know anything that you all give. Do I? I have no clue. And I've told this from the very beginning. I don't want to ever, ever, ever be accused of showing partiality because someone's a giver. I've never done that. So it doesn't matter if you gave a penny or a million dollars. But if you want to give a million dollars, it's okay. No. <laughs> to the church <laughs> and all that. It doesn't matter. I'm not showing partiality for, that re- for any reason whatsoever. So just to let you know that. Praise God. And then also, um, you can suffer persecution as a result of it, but also you can create division and dual vision, which is really things that happen in a lot of churches. 
there's dual vision. Because someone with that gift that they don't temper, that they can't use correctly, they want to take over and do things their way. You know, God is the one who really orchestrates this all. It is his church, it's his body of believers. He will place us strategically where we ought to be so we can do the things he knows we're qualified to do or that he equips us to do. Can you imagine trying to do a work for the Lord that he has not equipped you to do? I guarantee you it's going to be stale and stagnant. It's not going to be anointed from God. So no matter what, you might have a a greater ability even to be an an orator, that you can speak better because you've got all these 50 cent words and all that sort of thing. And I've seen this happen. And I would say to the Lord, why would people want to come and listen to me? I talk too fast. I was just trying to get the anointing just to to work with it at the beginning. But um, God knows what he's doing. Amen. Can you say amen to that? He puts things together, and that's why they're going to work. And then the last gift, the mercy gift, this is so important. This is so important because you know what? I believe every single one of us, we've got definitely a part of this in our lives. To others, it may be a little bit stronger, a stronger motivation. But every single one of us should be one who possesses this gift called mercy. And what it is, it's compassion. If you define it, it's this. You've got the deepest sympathy for the suffering of another person coupled with what a strong urging and desire to alleviate the suffering that's what it's all about this is the very heart of God God saw the condition that we were all living in on this planet and he had a desire he was so compassionate this is called bowels of mercy this is going to the depth of a person's soul the very depth of God's being To pour himself out completely to give his son for us. Why? Because he was so sympathetic toward the suffering of humanity. He couldn't allow man to continue in the direction he was going in. So he pours out of himself. He gives of his son to remedy the situation. His compassion, his mercy endures forever. That's why it says it over and over and over again. His mercies endure forever. He is so compassionate, so merciful. There are people that have heard them say it. Oh God, if God was such a loving God, this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen, this wouldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. You don't know the scriptures. We know that God's a compassionate, loving, merciful God. But the problem is, he is also a just God who cannot violate his own laws and arbitrarily move down into this earth realm in which we live and just start wreaking havoc with the devil's kingdom. He can't do that. Legally, he can't do it. Jesus came into the legal channel. You know, Lucifer in the very beginning didn't come into the legal channel. He, he came into a snake, the snake that he is, and he didn't introduce himself to Adam and Eve and just say, I'm Lucifer the fallen one, and I've got a plan for you that goes against the plan that God has. Now choose you which you want, evil, my kingdom of darkness, follow me. He didn't do that. He used a snake, and he starts speaking to, this, to, to, to Eve and says, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? He didn't mean that. He knew that if you eat, he knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to be God-like, just like him. So he's holding back on you. What did she do? It looks pretty good. See, she fell for it. She was deceived and opened up the door to the kingdom of darkness. How did Jesus come into the world? Jesus came into the world through a legal channel, a legal birth. You can't enter this realm without being born into it. But the devil, what did he do? Entered into the snake. And what does he do? He, he did his thing. You know that. But Jesus had to submit himself to being born of a virgin, which is a legal channel. Why would he have to go and do that if he just couldn't arbitra- if he could arbitrarily just move in and just clean house? He had to do it legally. 
And that goes beyond our comprehension. You talk about renewing our minds to truth. No greater truth than this. I'll tell you right now. And what does the second person of deity do? He doesn't enter into a frog and start speaking to people. He comes into the world. As a matter of fact, go back to Abraham. He appeared to Abraham and he says, I am that I am. I'm the El Shaddai. I want to make a covenant with you. If you want to obey. He gave him a choice. He gave him an option. He could use his free moral agency to do whatever he wanted to do. Can you see that? That's what he did back then. But when he came into the world, in the former days he spoke to us by the prophets to the fathers and all that. But in these last days he has spoken unto us by his son who was born of a virgin, praise God, and grew up as a child and as an infant, innocent. But then when he started his public ministry, he spoke out and he spoke out loudly and clearly the things of God. Did he not? And he wasn't concerned about all the Judaizers or all, all, all the Jews or anybody else that were trying to take his life. He spoke clearly and plainly until they finally put him to death. So he came by illegal means and in, in, in legal way. Why? Mercy sent him. His compassions that fell not. So merciful that even though it took that, he still did it for you and did it for me. Look at Psalm 145 and verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. His compassions that fell not. What does that mean? He's sympathetic towards your suffering coupled with a yearning desire to alleviate your suffering. That is the true characteristic of God Almighty. That's compassion. Look at Matthew 14, 14. And here, Jesus went forth, saw a great multitude, and was moved with what? Compassion. Uh, what? A burning desire to alleviate the suffering. He was so sympathetic toward their suffering. He moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Does he ever change? Absolutely not. He's always the same, and he's still compassionate. In the book of Hebrews, look at what it says here in the book of Hebrews. Oh, my goodness. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, or confession of faith, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, that's compassion, but was all in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy, his compassions that fail not, and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? You ready for this? What it's saying is this. Your high priest at the right hand of the majesty on high is looking over to the Father on the throne and just saying father do you see Mary down there father do you see John or Jack down there I'm telling you I know what it's like I know what they're going through I know what they're suffering right now because I suffered it for them and so I'm here to represent them and let you know if they come to the throne and if they use my name approaching by the blood with a true heart and full assurance of faith and if they place a demand upon our ability. We're going to do it for them, Father, because I know what they're going through and I want to help them. That's your high priest at the right hand of the majesty on high with compassion that fails not. He's your high priest. He's compassionate towards your suffering. And so when we go to the throne, let's remember that. We're going there for two things, mercy and grace. 
Not getting what we do deserve and getting what we don't deserve. Mercy and grace. Why? Because of his compassions that fail not. Aren't you glad you've got a compassionate high priest at the right hand of God? Now let's read these verses. We're going to close here in a moment. Philippians chapter 2 beginning at verse 1. Look at what these verses teach us. Given by the apostle Paul as the spirit of God anointed him. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit. If any bowels and mercies. He's talking about us. That we should have that same inward compassion. Think about it. He says fulfill ye my joy. That you be like minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord. Of one mind. In other words we all should have this. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't look out for yourself to exalt yourself. But in lowliness of mind. Humility. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. But every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you that I'm concerned about the welfare and well-being of others to such a degree that I almost empathize with them and what they're going through. Uh, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross, even the death of the cross. So in other words, he was so concerned about lost humanity, he took all their, their, their pain, all their hurt, all their suffering upon himself to alleviate ours. Wow. And so when you have that, if you have this, this extra, let's say, uh, anointing, from this gift, you're going to be so compassionate toward hurting people that you're going to want to help them. From the depth of your soul, you're going to want to help them. You know, the Bible teaches us that not one sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge, acknowledging it, without him being aware of it, right? Without his notice. Isn't that what it says? There's a little testimony to really show us what mercy and compassion are all about. This, there were three people that were working at a place, husband, wife, and another co-worker. And they went off to lunch, had a wonderful lunch. And on the way back from the lunch, as they were walking back, they were discussing, talking things. One fellow almost stepped on a, a sparrow that was on the, on the sidewalk. But felt like a little cushion and, and pulled his leg up right away so he wouldn't step on the sparrow that was there lying and was still alive. Well, they, began, they continued walking. That is the um, wife and the other co-worker, not the husband. They got a little bit further down the road, down the sidewalk there, and they noticed he's not here. And they turned back. And they saw what he did. He picked up the sparrow. Tried to nurse it. To help it. Put it up to a place to where it couldn't be killed by you know, a cat or something like that. To give it hope. To give it an opportunity to survive. And the wife looks over to the other guy and says, that's compassion. Here these two were saw the same situation, saw the same incident. But to them, they just walked by nonchalantly and just continued on because they weren't all that concerned. Maybe they felt bad. But this one, there was something here. Compassion. We should all examine our own hearts, examine our own lives. You see, it's so important to have this, this thing, this motivation called compassion. Do I really care? Am I really concerned? I know it can be so overwhelming but because there's so many hurting people in the world. Isn't that true? But we should examine our own hearts. Am I really compassionate? Am I really concerned about the welfare and well-being of other people? You know. And if not, let's get before God. Get into His presence. Because His compassions are over all of His works. And when you're in His presence, you'll get the same thing jump on you. Care about one another. Be concerned about one another. So in closing, every single one of us has a gift.
It's a motivational gift. And these are some of the characteristics of these gifts. And every one of us is responsible to use the gift. For what reasons? Number one, to do what? Bless humanity, bless other people. Number two, to glorify God. So we're accountable, we're responsible. Because you're a gift you could use just for yourself. Or you can use it for, you know, wrong reasons and wrong motives if you wanted to. But when you let God know, I want to use whatever you put in me to advance your kingdom. I guarantee you have his attention. And some things will emerge. And you're going to get promoted as you do certain things. But look at this closing scripture in 1 Peter 4.10, I believe it is. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So in other words, God has given every one of us a motivational gift. And that gift, we're the steward of that gift. We can hide it in the ground or under a bushel and not use it. We can use it just for our own personal gain. Or we could recognize this gift is not for my promotion, but this gift is to bless people and to honor God. And I want to be a blessing everywhere I go. And guess what the end result will be? You say, but what if I get taken advantage of? When you get to glory, I'm guaranteeing you right now, you're going to receive a reward that's just going to make your head spin. Because you did it, not to be seen of men, but of God. Let's stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.